Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? The Fire win the WNBL. I called it. Oh, here we go. I called it. How long ago did you call it, friend? Um, ever since Lauren Nicholson's been playing there. Great. And Shannon Seabom's been the coach. Excellent. How long ago was that? Number of years, actually. No one knows. Two <laughs> netball controversies impact the results of two games, and Ellie Carpenter is back for the Tillies following her ACL rehab. For our key story, we'll discuss the World Athletics ban on transgender women competing in elite female events. My name is Chloe Dalton, and I'm joined every week on the show by my co-host Bez, whose Super W Waratahs team had their first win of the season. Well, one from one. It wasn't the first win. It was first game and first win. Yeah, it was a good day on Friday. I enjoyed it from the stadium. Yeah, I bet you did. Saw so you were keeping well hydrated in the stands. I was. Enjoying some rugby. No, it was it was a good day. Good to get the first one done. It's always nerve-wracking round one, isn't it? It is nerve-wracking because you don't know post-preseason if you just think that you're a better team than what you are. There's nothing like a little bit of unopposed team runs to mm-hmm. make you think like you're world beaters. By the starting team versus the bench. Like, of course, you're well, going to look even good. Know what. Sometimes even no one. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I would definitely carry the ball this far in a normal game. <laughs> I would run 40 metres without getting tackled. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Continue. This <laughs> podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. You can catch it wherever you get your podcast. We'd love if you could hit subscribe. And if you haven't yet, if you could give us a review. Um, we know so many people in our TFAP community want to support women's sport and, and do practical things to help. And for us, if you could leave a review, um, give us five stars. It really helps us to get more people listening to TFAP and hearing about the work that we do. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which drops every Tuesday at 6am to read with your morning coffee. Let's take a look around the grounds. I put this story first because I'm excited in basketball. The Townsville Fire are the champions. You have to read what I wrote, please. Oh, they did manage to survive the kiss of death from Chloe, me. <laughs> I what a, like commentators curse, but I had faith. Um, they got the job done in game two to sweep the Southside Flyers to zip in the grand final series. It was their 16th consecutive victory and the 82 to 69 was reflective of their dominance. Do you know if that was – I was trying to work out the other day. Is that a WNBL record? Yeah, I also did some research around that and couldn't find it. It's not – it's probably not the most well-documented league. Mm. I bet if you're the Towns of Fire, you probably want a week off, maybe two weeks off to, to party. Mm. And you'd be like, let's just bring on – Season the next season now. Just keep it We're going. On fire. <laughs> Just keep going. They are on fire. <laughs> Steph Reed had 20 points, and grand final MVP Tiana Hawkins with 18 points led Townsville. And despite a strong fight from the Flyers, they just couldn't go with the fire in the fourth quarter. The, this is one of my favorite stories. I love this. They got back to Townsville um, the morning after their win, and <laughs> they were looking a little bit dusty, I'd say. Steph Reed was wearing the basketball net from the championship game around her neck and when asked if they had got any sleep, responded, sleep, what sleep? <laughs> Great night. Coach Shannon Seabom called out Reed's performance saying, Steph hit a really big shot down the stretch. You know the ball just ended up in her hands at the end of the shot clock and she banked one in. That was over some 
defenders that were a lot taller than her as well. Absolutely. The fire captain, Lauren Nicholson, said a lot of things led to that result we got. And yeah, it's the best feeling ever. I still can't wipe the smile off my face just seeing how happy all the girls were. It was just a surreal feeling. Credit to the girls for winning, even though Chloe Dalton jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> that, that was the rest of Lauren Nicholson's quote. <laughs> she definitely said that. <laughs> In netball, there were some epic matches and one very strange draw during round two of the Suncorp Super Netball. It was a, it was a very strange round. It, there was a bit going on. There's a bit mm. to unpack. So on Saturday, the Adelaide Thunderbirds clash with the New South Wales Swifts was declared a draw at halftime due to, and this is in quotes, very unfortunate circumstances. Is that what Netball Australia called it? Yeah, that's what they said. Very unfortunate circumstances like eating a bad curry before going for a run. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> it's, it's not. too much information. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's unfortunate. Anyway, we'll get there. So those unfortunate circumstances were a combination of a delay to the start of the match as the court was deemed unsafe for play and then a power outage, which meant the match could not be completed within the allocated two-hour period. So the delay to the start was a result of a decision made by officials that the court was not safe for play due to the advertising decals not offering the same court consistency. So I'm guessing the stickers were slippery. I would have thought that the stickers would be uniform across the board. Like, yeah, obviously different home teams might have different sponsors, mm. but you would think that they would all come from the same supplier? One would think. Strange. So after much discussion and walking on said decals, <laughs> it was decided they would be, have to be ripped off the court by hand. They'd be awfully sticky. Could you imagine? Like your full body weight, just like. That was what followed was a bunch of busy staff working to smooth out the surface. Play eventually began after an hour delay, but in more amazing scenes was halted due to a power outage after half time. Super Netball released a statement saying a high voltage, tra- voltage transformer issue had caused the power outage. Like Bumblebee or no? <laughs> well, we Optimus is probably more high voltage than <laughs> Bumblebee. I love Bumblebee. Decepticons. Um, <laughs> Jeez, going a bit rogue today. <laughs> uh, um, with the scores locked at 25 all at half time and no time left in said window to complete the match, it was declared a draw. Very strange. It, it almost seems like someone didn't want the match to go ahead. Yeah. With those two, like what are the chances of two things happening like that? It's, yeah, just strangeness. Neville Australia Head of Integrity Nicole Malchart told Fox Sports, earlier today we had to delay the match for the unsafe surface We extended it to allow up to 120 minutes to complete the match. Because we've extended it into that time, we don't have enough time to complete it within the session time window. So we do have to declare the match as at half time. So both teams will have two points from the game. It's a a pretty strange decision because I imagine there's protocols in place around those time windows, which is why that decision has been made. But for this unfortunate circumstance or whatever it was described as, I would think you could have discussions with both teams and say, hey, in this instance, let's keep going. Yeah. I, I, I get not starting. I think if they had have started, stopped, and then tried and started again and then stopped again, I get it because they probably would the warm-up and cool down multiple times, but they actually yeah. hadn't started yet. So I think they only did one warm-up before oh, the, power the power outage. outage was half-time. It was half-time, yeah, but I mean, so they didn't warm up before the sticker situation. Got ya. Yeah. Swift's star Helen Housby said after the result was declared, the first delay was all right because we actually got to play afterwards. We played cards backstage. Love that she called it backstage. Backstage for the performance. She is a good dancer, Helen. Have you seen her? No. 
It's so frustrating, honestly. No one likes to have a draw, even if you play 60 minutes. But to have a draw and not have been able to have an opportunity to win the game is actually really sad. There was some emotion in the change room. Every single point counts. Obviously, there is nothing we can do. On Sunday, there was a cracker of a game between the West Coast Fever and the Giants. Go the Giants. And again, it went down to the last seconds. The Fever, unfortunately, snuck home once again, winning 74 to 73 in what was a super shot fest. It was the Fever, Fever's Janelle Fowler, which is a name we, we often chat about on the podcast because of how good she is. She converted a perfect 59 goals from as many attempts that proved the difference. Did she go 100% last week yep. as well? So she's, I think she's 114 from 114 over the two games so far. That's cool. I'd also like to know the record of the netball player who's gone at 100% for the most amount of games. That would be cool. Right, noted. <laughs> if you could follow up on that, Chief Researcher, thank you so much. The Fever finished with a shooting accuracy rate of 96%, with the Giants only managing to register an 83% success rate. The inaccuracy came back to hurt the Giants, despite Joe Harton and Sophie Dwyer combining for 15 two-point super shots in the game. Welcome back, Joe Harton, who's recovered from a knee injury as well. The Melbourne Derby was on Sunday And it was another one-point screamer. There were some really close matches, which is great for the game. Melbourne Vixens getting bragging rights when they beat the Collingwood Magpies 62-61. to More controversy from round two. So, Vixens had the centre pass, kind of went back and forth a little bit, got turned over, then they got the ball back, then they hit a super shot. So, then the score went to, I think it was 59-58 after the super shot. They then got a second centre pass in a row. So usually it just alternates. So they got a second centre bounce in the row in a row and then ended up going on to win the game. Not great. The coach, Nicole Richardson, after full time was pretty angry. And I think rightly so. She said what happened in the last minute and a half is an absolute fiasco. You cannot have a result like that. This is an elite level competition. You have an automated scoreboard that tells you whose centre pass it is. You have a bench who knows exactly whose centre pass it is, but the bench do not have the power to do anything about it. That has cost us the game and that is why I'm angry. Sophie Garbin addressed it. Then I got up and addressed it. I was basically ignored. They just wanted to finish the game and we wanted to bring it to their attention then and there in the moment of the game. And they didn't want to listen to us and the game continued. We've been completely robbed because we would have had an opportunity to go up two goals or an opportunity to starve them of the ball and take some time off the clock. So Vixens get two centre passes in a row. The coach and Sophie Garbin both try to alert the umpires. I want to know if you were in this situation, if you were the coach or another player, would you step onto the court and just like cause a scene? From what I could see, they were just probably standing up and trying to alert the umpires. But I can imagine if I was in that situation, I'd almost run on there and stop the thing altogether. Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, we're all taught that the officials are doing their best and, you know, let's keep it calm and all that. But when they're making a blatant mistake like that, that you can see, obviously it's on the scoreboard too. It would be hard to restrain yourself from stepping onto the court and being like, guys, look at the scoreboard. Like, look, it's definitely not their center pass. Yeah, because it's not a subjective decision. No, it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's not a, it's not an interpretation of a, of a rule. Mm. It's you've just actually really got this wrong. I'm almost surprised that the I, did the um, magpies notice at the time, like while the point was underway. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've also read that there's some debate around 
the result standing as well because of it. Yeah, I think I think Netball Australia are looking into it, mm. but it sounds like the result still stands regardless. Yeah, wow. And, and this kind of brings me to another topic. We obviously speak about female sport a lot because that's what we do. Yes, we do. One thing that we probably don't speak about as much, and it's something that I think we need to highlight more, is officials and the standard of officials in the women's game. I, Speaking from experience, I sometimes think that we don't necessarily get the best officials available and that impacts the standard of the game. And I think that if female athletes are starting to be held to account for performance on the field, then that has to actually also apply to the officials in the middle as well. Yeah, I agree. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think your point around the quality of officials, there's a whole range of factors that go into that around pathway and development of officials in different sports. And then so often this idea from coaches and officials and administrators a lot of the time that because men's sport has been full-time professional for such a long time, that's almost viewed as as the pinnacle and the end goal. And this idea of women's sport being a stepping stone a lot of the time to develop and get experience. So I think that's a huge part of, of why the officiating of a lot of different sports, you don't necessarily get access to the best officials available. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's something that as all sports, we should keep front of mind because we need to invest in officials just as much as we invest in the athletes. We can't expect them to improve their performance levels as well if they're not getting the love that that they deserve. And it is, it's something that, you know, it it does affect the product. Again, we're talking about putting the best product forward. Everyone needs to be at their best. And I think important for us to note while we have this discussion, important from a spectators and players and fans point of view too, I don't know. It's hard to say, but still encourage those because that they also allow our game to to run. And sometimes the level of disrespect towards officials can also hinder people from wanting to pursue that as a career. Absolutely. Some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths is appalling. In soccer, the Washington Spirit signed midfielder Chloe Ricketts to a three-year deal last week and in the process made the 15-year-old the youngest player to ever sign a contract with a National Women's Soccer League franchise. The high school sophomore signed the contract after taking part in the training camp in January with the Spirit as a non-roster player. Head coach Mark Parsons said in a team news release, Chloe has shown great quality with and without the ball and has an incredible intensity in everything she does. The vision and infrastructure of our club make this signing possible and we look forward to Chloe developing and becoming an important player and teammate for our team. Ricketts will continue her education online and as part of the league's new under-18 clauses, she must occupy a full roster spot and live with a parent or guardian until she turns 18. It's an interesting one. This is a lot more younger players coming into these professional environments. I think it's really smart of the NWSL to have an under-18s um, framework set out to say, you know, you, you have to live with a parent. You, they've got some really good stuff in place, which I applaud them for because oftentimes kids can be moved away and things like that, and it's pretty tough. Are they saying um, the parent or guardian, obviously guardians, there's a bit more freedom in that one, but say a lot of the time when I know Giants players who've moved into state at a young age have moved in with a family that might be organised through the club or does it need to be someone that the family have selected and know well or like what does that look like? I'm I'm interested to know. Yeah, I assume it's a guardian as in an adult and it it probably could be a family, sorry, as an adult that's 
known to the family that mm. they would effectively almost sign the under 18 over to. But yeah, I think it's it's great that they've got that in that and she does obviously have to continue her education. Um, Ricketts said after being signed, the opportunity to join the Washington Spirit on a professional contract is a dream come true. I'm looking forward to continuing my development as a player and individual with the great resources here in the district. The NWSL season kicked off over the weekend and the 12 teams will be battling for the championship with the Portland Thorns looking to defend their title from last season. On top of that, the San Diego Wave. The record. Broke the record in their opening match. How good. They also got the win. They had 30,584. That sounds similar to the number I saw. If you nailed that, I'll be impressed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so 30,000, sorry, 854 at Snapdragon Stadium, my favourite stadium. Great name. Um, and they won with a last-minute 3-2 win against the Chicago Red Star Stars. US soccer legend Alex Morgan converted a penalty in the 89th minute to How secure good. the win. That's what you want in front of a crowd like that, Yeah, right? she tweeted afterwards. She was just like, this, is, this was epic, like 30,000 of you. See you next week. So cool. More soccer news. Ellie Carpenter is back. The Matildas 24-player squad set to face Scotland and world number four England early next month has been announced and defender Ellie Carpenter and winger Holly McNamara have both been named after recovering from ACL injuries over the past year. Unfortunately, the news for Steph Catley, Emily Gilnick and Elise Kellen-Knight wasn't as great with the three players missing the April window due to injury. Catley and Gilnick will return to the squad before the World Cup, but Kellen Knight looks long odds of making it back on the field before the World Cup after rupturing her Achilles while playing for the Melbourne victory. It's pretty devastating in a home World Cup year, isn't it? Horrible. Oh, that's really rough. Horrible injury too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really long-term one. Carpenter played a full 90 minutes last week for Lyon against Sam Kerr's Chelsea in the Women's Champions League first leg quarterfinal. Kerr's Chelsea finished 1-0 winners, but it was great to see Carpenter on the pitch playing at the highest level. She said after being selected, I was very excited to get called back into the national team. Being away from the national team for so long, it gives you that extra drive and extra hunger to get back in. Obviously, it's a World Cup year, and that was a massive motivation for me through my injury to keep thinking there's such a big goal at the end of this and something I really want to achieve. Can't tell you how excited I am for the World Cup. Oh, Genuinely am. It's getting closer. In AFLW, Carlton AFLW legend Darcy Vessio was last week unveiled as the cover star of the new AFL 23 video game. How good. Vessio joins Melbourne Demon Christian Petrarca on the front of the game that will be sold in stores across the country and is set to be released on April 13 on many different platforms, all of those ones. (laughs) Vessio is the first AFLW player to feature on the cover and the dual All-Australian and two-time AFLW leading goal kicker shared their excitement on their social media platforms, writing, this is pretty wild, unreal to share the cover with Christian Petrarca. It's really excellent to see the AFL taking this step and I think just understanding the importance of representation and visibility in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, again, it's one of those things, a little bit disappointing to see that it's only happening now for the first time in 2023, but I love that it's Darce. It's it's so well deserved from Darce and the way that they've really paved the way in the AFLW competition. It was pretty cool to see. Of the baggers. <laughs> in A-League Women's, the race for the final two spots in the top four is going to come down to the final game of the Liberty A-League regular season. Round 19 had everything and Perth Glory's stunning 4-3 comeback victory over Melbourne City 
has left City in third place and not assured of a final spot. They now face a win and you're in clash. Did you title that yourself? Maybe not. Oh, because I like it. Win and you're in. Win and you're in with Canberra next weekend to ensure they play finals football. Melbourne Victory also dropped vital points on the weekend in their one-all draw with Brisbane Raw. They will travel to Wellington and have to beat the Phoenix to secure their finals place. Canberra United uh, in fifth currently and Perth Glory in sixth will need results to go their way, but are still a chance heading into the last round. Sydney FC sit in second, just two points behind Western United, but they do have a game in hand. Has anyone found out if anyone's making a doco about Western United yet? Because I really hope so. Sydney FC play Perth Glory on Wednesday night and round out the regular season against the Newcastle Jets on Saturday, while Western United play the Western Sydney Wanderers. The A-League women's finals will start Saturday, April 15th, and they will be epic. Don't miss them. And I love how last round is is it's an exciting time, isn't it? Yeah, I love it when it's all on the line. It's so good. It's not a fait accompli. In rugby union, as we spoke about earlier, the Super W season kicked off on Friday night and the New South Wales Waratahs were too strong across the park for the Western Force. The Tars scored seven tries in a 43-to-zip victory that featured nine debutantes, including 16-year-old fullback Caitlin Hulse. She went all right, Halsey, didn't she? She did really well. And I loved seeing her. I saw like these children, aka teenagers, in their school polo shirts cheering her on and getting photos. And I was like, she's still at school, isn't she? Yep, she sure is. Crazy. So she played in the 15 jersey at fullback and she did handle the occasion like a pro. Big future that kid on Saturday. History was made when the first Super W match was played in Fiji. How good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, it was a tight game, played in some pretty ordinary conditions, unfortunately, but the Fijiana Drua girls held on to post a 12-7 win in front of their home fans against the ACT Brumbies. And the last game on Saturday night, Queensland Reds made a statement of their own, also winning 43-0. Very strange. Strange behaviour. They took care of a Melbourne Rebels team that received five yellow cards throughout the match. It was unfortunate for the Rebels. Yeah, I think it was. Rebels captain Ash Masters copped a slice of cheese herself and said after the match, it really let us down at too many yellow cards. There's no question that our team is physical, but we need to play with ball in hand and that's what let us down. Let's take a look at the key story. In athletics, World Athletics made an announcement last week banning transgender women from competing in elite female competitions if they have gone through male puberty. The sport's governing body council also voted to tighten restrictions on athletes with differences in sex development, DSD, cutting the maximum amount of plasma testosterone for athletes in half to 2.5 nanomoles per litre, down from five. The sport had previously floated the option of transgender athletes being allowed to compete in the female category if they maintain testosterone levels below 2.5 nanomoles per litre for 24 months. However, the statement said there was little support within the sport for that proposal. World Athletics president Sebastian Coe told a news conference the decision to exclude transgender women was based on the overarching need to protect the female category. Coe also said, we're not saying no forever and advised that the governing body would form a task force to study the issue of trans inclusion and that group will be chaired by a transgender athlete. This decision follows World Swimming's announcement last June that transgender women would be banned from elite competition if they had experienced any part of male puberty. So, very similar decision made by the swimming 
bodies, Swimming's world governing body cited a scientific panel that found even after reducing their testosterone levels through medication, transgender women still had a significant advantage. LGBTQ plus group Stonewall spoke last month about how important it is that sports are as inclusive as possible. It said at the time the trans population may be small, but they have every right to participate in sports and enjoy the many physical, mental and community benefits of sport. The scientific evidence base on trans people in sport is developing, but it is far from conclusive. They then tweeted after World Athletics' announcement, it is so disappointing to see World Athletics announce a unilateral ban on trans women in track and field events. Their own statement recognises that there are no trans women competing at an international level and that they have no specific evidence to justify the ban. On Sunday morning on Channel 9 on the Sports Sunday show that I often get the chance to sit on the panel of, I had the chance with host Roz Kelly to interview one of my very good friends, Elia Green. So I played rugby sevens with Elia uh, in in Rio. We won a gold medal together, which was pretty special. And Elia recently transitioned and has started sharing his journey um, and experience and and kind of speaking out on behalf of the trans community after there's been a lot of hate and harmful discussions that often happen, particularly on social media around these issues. So thanks to to Channel 9 and the Sports Sunday team, we wanted to actually share an audio clip of that discussion that we got to have with Elia on Sunday morning, because I think it's just really important for people to actually have a face when they're, when they're talking about this. We understand that this is a, it's a really complex issue. And I think the Stonewall group addressed it really well that that there's there's still more scientific evidence needed. It's it's far from conclusive. I don't think a blanket rule either way is is the way to do it. But I think for people who might be really against trans women competing in female sports, I just really encourage you just to take this as, as an opportunity to to listen and learn from someone within that community um, speaking really honestly and candidly about it. Elliot, what was your reaction to this ruling? Um, in all honesty, it wasn't surprising, um, considering what's going on in the world and the, the hate and discrimination directed at trans people, it wasn't a surprising thing to see. It was upsetting to see, but um, yeah, once again, not the biggest surprise. What kind of impact does this have on trans athletes? I think it's only furthering the marginalisation and the discrimination against trans people. Um, it's, a, it's something that is already such a huge issue in society, let alone sports. Um, the problems that are faced by transgender people are huge in society. So to then bring that into sport and the challenges that it faces, um, it's, a, it's a whole nother topic. And I think that the media and the way that it's portrayed can do a lot better in terms of um, giving so much, uh, how can I say, so much opinions available on social media and abuse directed at these athletes personally. And I think, um, I think there's just a lot to be done in terms of that. Thinking about your own experience and your own journey, Elia, looking back to, to when you were competing in rugby sevens and, and battling different knee injuries and things like that, but at the same time competing in elite sport, but, but knowing that you weren't in your, in your true self and your true identity, what was that process like for you? Um, well, since my retirement, it's actually been the best feeling in the world to be able to be comfortable in me. And it's something that I had planned for so long um, leading up to my retirement. So it was just a matter of time and something that I could really look forward to. And it has only given me a better quality of life and something that I'm very proud of because it takes a lot of courage to be able to do something like this. And I really do feel for all trans people in the world who 
don't have the courage to do that, it um, can be an isolating feeling. And um, I just think there just needs to be more support and kindness uh, for trans people in the community. And um, yeah, I think the world will be a much safer and better place. Yeah, I think obviously I watched your and Elia's interview live on Sunday morning. It was just overwhelmingly proud of both of you, um, especially Elia who, you know, showed such courage and he's just a legend and I love him very much. But I think one of the things that Elia referenced a lot and that you touched on there, friend, is that it's that real, the hatred is, is it's just not okay. And, and these sports, even Sebastian Coe's language when he says the overarching need to protect the female category, there's a real fear-mongering going on and there's a real, you know, protect. Protect them from what? Protect them from who? Like it's, I just, I, I find real, I've got a real problem with this idea that these sports are, are really playing on the fear that there's going to be an avalanche of trans athletes that want to come and take your gold medal away from you because it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at what to watch. In soccer, Sydney FC host Perth Glory on Wednesday night at Jubilee Stadium. Kickoff is 7pm AEDT and Perth Glory have to win to have a chance to qualify for finals. While Sydney FC will be looking to finish minor premiers if they can win their last two, you can catch that live on 10 play. Go FC. In basketball, the NCAA Women's March Madness Basketball is getting to the serious end of the competition. Can't stop watching it. It's so good, isn't it? I'm actually filthy that we're recording right now because I'm missing LSU v Miami. We need to go put it on. (laughs) You can catch the final two games of the Elite Eight on Tuesday morning. South Carolina will face Maryland at 10 a.m., followed by Virginia Tech and Ohio State at 12 p.m. The final four will follow on Friday morning with teams and tip-off times to be confirmed. Watch it live on ESPN. Who's your pick? Mm -mm -mm. I think South Carolina. Favourites. Good on you. Go LSU. I'm saying that not knowing what the score was, but I'm hoping for LSU win. In netball, the Sunshine Coast Lightning will be looking to make it three from three when they host the Adelaide Thunderbirds on Saturday at Uni SC Arena. The game starts at 7pm AEDT and you can catch it live and free on KO Freebies and Foxtel. And that's a wrap. Can I just say, if the Thunderbirds don't have a real Thunderbird as they're like as in a Thunderbirds I go Thunderbird. Why do your hands look so Because they're puppets, right? If they don't have a Thunderbird as their mascot, I'm not it's here for it. It's <laughs> disappointing. It's a great point, Producer Bailey. Trademark issues. I hate trademark issues. Uh, don't forget, subscribe, give us a review and sign up for the newsletter. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.